row, row, rowing your ball gently through the goals. Carlton and the Canary Coloured Coast Club can't conceive a conquest. Instead, concede they're both cluster clucks. People in Tassie like Essendon more than they like incest. The buys are overripe. Yes, thank God, yes. Hello and welcome back to AFL by Dummies. My name is Alex Henry and joining me this week, as he does every week, is the man who ran the goal review system for the GWS Carlton game. It's Tom Brody Kreiser. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Very nice. Well done. Well um, done, Brody. Well done. Good job. Thank you. Thank you. Did you see that? Oh. It was probably my, my favorite part of the weekend. Yeah, in a week that is... Uh, Scarce of football. There are, you know, a few lighter moments, but there were some good quality games to bookend the round. There was. And let's get straight into them with our point of observation. Tom, what's your point of observation for this week? Um, so my point of observation last week were was that Geelong were looking mighty fine as a you know, one of two premiership favourites. So I think, you know, despite the loss, I think my point of observation was that the Bulldogs, they have two of their best, I would say best, maybe four players out, and they still managed to get, you know, a genuine premiership contender winning at the uh, down at the final siren. Um, so I wouldn't sleep on the Bulldogs too much. Um, and I think... Yes, I'm a bit a bit scared to think what's going to happen when both of them come back, um, especially if they line their run up right and they get that, you know, two or three games at the end of the season just before finals. Or I think the Bulldogs might be a little bit better than we're all assuming at the moment, even though despite their last couple of losses. Yeah, so Geelong, of course, were missing Duncan, who went down early, and Henderson, yeah. who was a late out. And the dogs missing Dunkley and Trelaw, who you're referring to, but also Steph Martin, who I think yeah, was a big, a, a big out for them. But also, you know, I talked about um, last week, I thought that uh, Norton uh, might be a big problem for the Geelong, especially once Henderson pulled out. You know, it was a small back line. And they lost him in, I think it was early in the third quarter when he went down. That was a massive yeah. loss to them as well in terms of trying to um, help steal themselves Western Bulldogs for the rest of the game. So, yeah, interesting. I, I think both teams did themselves a lot of good and I don't think either of them did themselves any bad in terms of um, shoring themselves up as premiership candidates. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Alex, what's your point of observation based off uh, last round's games? So I'm going to sneak mine in from last week. I think it was actually announced just before we went to air that Zach Merritt has officially re-signed for Essendon. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was a lot of talk earlier in the season about, oh, was he going to leave and everything? But um, when you dove into the deeper reports about how this process was on, unfolding, I was actually really impressed by how Zach Merritt was conducting himself. Basically, after last season and the last few seasons, he was worried the club was on an unfortunate trajectory um, and that yep. he had concerns about that, you know? I think valid concerns that... Very valid it, at the time. Yeah, if the club was going to get worse, and I'm not talking about just on the field, but become more of a basket case and have more people wanting to leave. You know, imagine if we'd been in this position right now where Parrish and Stringer 
they were a mess and then they those two decided they wanted out as well. I think it would have been totally fair on Zach Merritt to say, no, I don't want to waste my career at a basket case at a club. I'm going to go somewhere else. So he actually said in an interview that he was, you know, watching everything that was happening at Essendon, both on the field and off the field to see, you know, if they were ready, if they like not necessarily for a premiership in the next few years, but if they were ready to progress, if they were ready to be better as a club. And I think in him putting the pen to paper, it shows that he, he thinks they are. I think he's handled this in an incredibly mature way in assessing the club, saying, looking at what's been shown on field that we've seen of these young players developing and going, yeah, I, I like the direction which things are headed in. I like the coaching. I'd like to stay here. And I think in a world in which a lot of people get criticised for very immature things, um, I think we should probably recognise a very mature way of handling a contract situation like Zach Merritt has. Yeah, I think every list manager slash, uh, you know, uh, club club board and coach down would want someone like Zach Merritt to do that um, and really, you know, conduct their own self-assessment. And I think with the the future of player movement set to increase over the next few years, there'll be more and more of uh, people doing these types of self self-assessments. Absolutely. Um, and it, in the end, it got them the win on the weekend. Uh, they, they got up over Hawthorne in what was a, a scrappy match, but an entertaining one. But they're not our main story for this week, no. Here at AFL by Dummies, the most influential AFL podcast hosted by two idiots over Zoom, neither of which has played at a professional level, we have destroyed teams with such scathing analysis that it has forced them to conduct reviews. We've hit Collingwood, Carlton, Collingwood again, and Carlton again. So he decided to change it up and attack a team that's so off-Broadway they're playing out of a basement in Zimbabwe. Of course, it could only be the Gold Coast, the only team that once featured Carmichael Hunt and has since gotten worse. Gold Coast again failed on the weekend, kicking only four goals as they lost to Port Adelaide by 50 points. It's as many goals as Germany scored against the current European champions Portugal at the Euros and more goals than I've achieved in my life. They now sit a not-so-sweet 16th with four wins and nine losses from 13 games, having only scored more than 60 points on five occasions this season. Even North have scored more than that, and they couldn't convince a ball to go through the goals, even if they offered it a seven-year deal at one million a year. Honestly, it's a surprise they can't finish higher given the exceptional standard of senior players they have to lead them. Our Lord and Saviour Hugh Greenwood has been exceptional as always. David Swallow, who can carry six coconuts in a flight, has been strong when he's on the field. Then there's a guy called Sean, who is literally a lemons. They need these guys to lead the junior players, and they need to do more. The on-field problems for Gold Coast are big, but the bigger problem is the continual need to justify their own existence. With only one finish above 14th, and that was 12th, in their 10 seasons, they have undoubtedly failed as a football team thus far. Now, I may have failed Year 7 maths, but if you can't get above 12th, it's going to make it harder to finish in the top 8. Ultimately, this continual failure means they are threatened with being ended, replaced, or worse, moved to Tasmania. And there's nothing that'll put the fear of God into you more than moving to Tasmania. I think we're all firmly in the camp that, that Gold Coast need more money and that Tassie need a team, right? Not that fixing this issue will be through moving Gold Coast. No, 
I mean, it would solve both problems, but morally, I don't think it's the right issue. But I don't think that the Tassie fans would actually get behind it because the whole point of what this Essendon experiment on the weekends, I'll quickly got some stats for you. So they had 15,000 just under on the weekend yep. for the uh, Hawthorne Essendon game. Um, they have had considerably less than that in previous games that North Melbourne have hosted. I think it was only 3,000 last week when they hosted um, the, the Lions in what was a terrible turnout. But it's not like Gold Coast is much better. They've consistently averaged between about four and 7,000 every week for their home games this season. The most they had was, ironically, when Hawthorne went up there, um, where they had 7,500 in a game. So it's not like they're getting much attendance, but if they move the Gold Coast down to Tasmania, I don't see the, the Tasmanian fans of footy turning out for Gold Coast, right? Like, I think they're turning out for Essendon and Hawthorne because they're their team. I don't think they would turn out for a, a converted side. I think it would have to be a new one. But that's just me. Right, right. I would assume that anything with the Gold Coast name, they'll take and they'll sign up for. But maybe that's just me being a, a bit naive to the, to the facts. Well, you think um, the fans will sign up for yeah, yeah. If 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 it happens to be the Gold Coast folds and all their players get get put more merged merge into a Tassie Devils team, surely, uh, surely you'd get around it, irrespective of the 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 inception of the club. I think right? it'd be different if they folded. Um, folded right. is very uh, folded is very different from moved. Okay. Okay. Interesting, interesting. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting couple of years um, for the Gold Coast Suns and for the potential of footy in Tasmania. But we have to move on from that. Why? Because we have our first battle round, Tom. Ding, ding, ding. Now, I'm very excited for the battle round this week. I'm going to kick us off first with a bit of fun. Um, Now, with all this talk about, about Tasmania, you know, potentially expanding to the southernmost part of the country, I thought, well, mm-hmm. we need a proper greeting card for these Tasmanian fans. You know, we need we need a proper explanation for them for what life um, in the footy world is like. So I thought I'd, you know, I'd give them a song that would help introduce them into the footy community. <laughs> yeah. And as I'm sure you'll enjoy, I've, I've taken inspiration from uh, the wonderful Bo Burnham, who released his... Uh, latest comedy special inside recently. Um, <laughs> right. <laughs> so I'm I'm just taking inspiration from one of his tracks about what how we can help educate the Tasmanian community about what footy means. Welcome to the AFL. Have a look around. Anything that Gil wants you to think of can be found. We've got mountains of issues, some bad, some worse. If all of it angers you, then you're not the first. Welcome to the AFL, come and take a seat Just make sure the next one's bacon and that you're at least by feet You should clearly all panic, cause we're in control Just nod your head, say yes and do as you're told Welcome to the AFL, what would you prefer? Would you like to fight for civil rights or yell a racial slur? Be caring, be sexist, whatever you like Brisbane has a guy who wraps a fake motorbike. 
Welcome to the AFL, put your cares aside. Here's a child playing Austin Cares, an ex-player who died. He had CT and trauma, and he killed himself. But we'll tell you that we care about suicide. Haha, <laughs> isn't that funny? Welcome to the AFL, hold on to your socks. Cause a random guy just kindly sent you photos of his cock. There's a premiership medal, he just sent you more. Don't act surprised, you know it's from Nathan Roar. See a guy get knocked out, see Robbo on 360. Complain if he gets seven weeks, or complain if he goes free. Maybe Thriller, upward Spiller, send a death threat to Took Miller. Have a beer or two with Gealer, get COVID and then get Miller too. Here's a player's debut contest, he's telling his mom. He does his ACL, first name is his loss, now well done. Then there's April W, but you don't really care. Taylor gets 100k, but it's still not that fair. Could I interest you in AFL all of the time? A little bit of AFL all of the time. Don't care if you don't like it, so please do spend your time. Anything called AFL all of the time. Could I interest you in AFL all of the time? A little bit of AFL all of the time. Don't care if you don't like it, so please do spend your time. Anything called AFL all of the time. Wow. Far out. Far out. I think that's better than the original. I think everyone, go go and watch Bo Burnham do it if you haven't already. Then go back and then tell us that that isn't better than Bo Burnham's because it is far out. Tom, um, that's, um, that's the most effort I've ever put into a segment ever so, by a mile. <laughs> that oh took me ages. God. From that, that build up from Took Miller up. Oh, my God. Oh, that is so hard it's to get through. So that. It's the lines in that. Apart oh. from the rapping, like, like, so obviously, I'll, I'll let the listeners in for a second. I did not nail that first try. We had to do a little bit of editing. But the challenge for you in all of this is that um, you have to make every single line syllable perfect. Like, it's if it's off, you can't continue on with the rhythm. So every single line that I wrote was the syllable um, same as the right line in which it came from. So I, I'm starting to envy some of those people that can do some of these parody songs because, my God, they are so difficult to write. So that is so hard, but, oh, so well written. Some of the lines. I mean, obviously not allowed on any mainstream media source ever. Oh, yeah. But Did you have a personal favourite? Yeah, the CT joke is my, <laughs> obviously my personal favourite. <laughs> Um, but I think that is an insight that the viewers don't want to know about my sense of humor. Um, I think, I mean, there, there are a couple I just want to throw out there. Um, Brisbane has a guy who revs a fake motorbike was like a strong candidate. But my favorite was that I, in the original version, there's a section about like sending dick pics and I didn't even have to change much because it's literally Nathan Broad. And so it's like, <laughs> yes. Um, I think the final line, which is my favorite, which is don't act surprised, you know, it's from Nathan Broad, which is just like, ah, yeah, that's perfect. Like I didn't, I didn't need to have to put much effort into that to make that relevant. The rhyming is perfect. Oh my God. Uh, Some things just fall into place and then that has fallen into place. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, that's my segment for this week. Um, I hope everyone enjoyed it. I hope it sounds great. So good. So good. All right. Hard to follow, but I will follow. (laughs) Go and follow that tough. (laughs) All right. So I saw an article the other day um, that was the seven players um, who have star potential but are too inconsistent. Um, So we're going to play a little game, Alex. I want you to guess 
those se- seven players. Um, and some of them are a bit more interesting than you would think, at least a couple. Um, but I feel like most of them you should be able to get. Okay, so um, a couple of questions. One, are they all young players? Uh, no, I would say... I think one is 30. Or so, a so of, it's, a couple of them are in their 30s. So when they're talking uh, about potential, it's just about like how often they deliver. It's not about like... Yeah, yeah. As a factor of age. Okay. Yeah, um, not, okay. age is not a factor at the moment. So my first statement is probably that they're going to be mostly forward mids, I would guess. Um, because they're, they're the players that are most flaky that come in and out of games. Um, so uh, this is all be, um, coming up because of Jake Stringer and all the talk about yes. him. So, so he's got to be number, number one. one. Yeah. Um, his ceiling is astronomical, but he only hits it some of the time. Um, okay, who else? Who else? Who else should I throw in there? I think it would be unfair to put Dusty in there, but it's just that he his best games are so good and he doesn't hit the best that often. Um, Charlie Cameron. Is number three on that mm. list. Well good done. Good start. Good start. Yeah. Um, slow start to the year this year, if you if you forgot. Um, and the back end of last year, he tweaked his knee um, and kind of wasn't the same and failed to deliver in that um, prelim final last year. Mm. Yeah, um, he is he's incredibly inconsistent, but his best is very good and he is very. worth it. Um, Jack Darling is my next thought. Is not on the list, but oh. I would be. I would be. Would you say that he's? I don't know. I'd probably put him in the top ten inconsistent, but maybe in the top seven. Even though there are a couple here that's, that. Are that's a pretty fine bits, line, Tom. <laughs> there's a bit Sid stiff. Um. Okay. There's, so a, there's a weird choice. There's a weird choice. There's some weird choices. I'm just trying to think of one. Else. There's one right. really strange um, one. You, you tell me. You tell me a couple of the um. So so ones. think about the position that Jake Stringer plays. Who? It's Dusty Stringer and Shay Bolton. No. No, I was going to say because he's consistent. What Petrarca? That would be no. Um. Big bullish guys who go into the midfield. Um, I would say he is. I oh know there's two. This, this one plays for Victorian club, and there's one other who plays for Victorian club. Ah, oh, Jordan Degali. Yeah, would be number two on that list. Yeah. Um, yeah. has not lived up to expectations. If not we remember, eighteen months ago, people were considering offering him eight fifty a year for four years. Yeah. He is definitely not worth that now. His ceiling is is really high. Um, uh, yeah, oh, and then the to... other Victorian, I would say, is probably a bit unlucky-ish, um, because of the circumstances in which he currently stands himself in. Is it um, Patrick Cripps? No, no, uh, no, no. You know me. him. You know him very well. Um, oh, is it um one of the Saints players? Um, who's inconsistent? Yeah, Jack Billings. I feel like he's. Yeah, I feel like Billings... It's Brad Hill. Oh, I mean, he's very inconsistent. Yeah, I feel like they should put Billings over Hill in that situation. Oh, uh, to be honest, half the Saints team deserves to be on that list. <laughs> um, The rest are all um, interstate players, Okay, which is um, interesting. 
Um, Michael Walters. No, no, no. So there is a Freo representative. If it's not Walters, who would be, um, who would be similar situation to Brad Hill, brought over, probably not on as much money as Hill, but uh, the expectations were were pretty were pretty big, and his best games make you go and they're not like Stringer where it's like look at his potential. It's like, oh, this kid could be something and then never delivers. Rory Lobb? Yes, 100% Rory Lobb. Kicked four goals earlier in the year. Yeah, he's had a couple of great games. I mean, he's one of those guys that when he's marking it, you you just watch it and you think, I don't think anybody can actually reach him. Yeah, yeah. His peak at Gold Coast, he was leading the contested mark. The the Giants, yeah. For the the competition, rather the Giants. Um, There's... A port pick. Who would you say is the port pick, particularly this year? Um, Connor Rosie. No, he's been injured. I wouldn't call that inconsistent. Mm. I don't know. He kicks four goals in one corner and then disappears for another match. That's true. Um, another. Yeah, this is an interesting cool. one because Charlie. Don't... That would be hard. Yeah, they've said Charlie. But he's had one bad season. It just happens to be this season. Yes. I think he's actually had a pretty consistent last three or four years. I think it's a bit harsh. Yeah, yeah. Well, he's just been a bit down on his form from last year, but he was one of the competition's best last year, so I feel like that's a bit unfair. Now, this is the weird one. Um, It's a Gold Coast player. That Mm. would help you. Um, Lucky Weller. No, if I said he was in the team of the decade, but he wasn't, he wasn't in the starting eleven. Alex Sexton. Yeah, Alex Sexton. What? But he got dropped. Like he's just not very good. Yeah. Well, they've said that he used to click kick bags of four, five, and six. Well, he did. Like for one season. Yeah, like two years ago. Yeah, but for one season. So I wouldn't call that inconsistent. I would just say... No, I just think he's rubbish. Yeah. Um, can we think... I was trying to think of any others who were on that list, uh, who should be on that list. I um, think... Uh, who were the ones I named before? The first one I named, I can't remember who it was. That wasn't on there. That was the one that stood out to me. Who you said that would be... Darling. Darling. Yeah, Darling's incredibly inconsistent. Yeah. There's some games where you look at him and you think, oh, he's the best player in the AFL, and then other times. But I think it's harsh if we start picking on keyboards. Like, you could say the same about Tom Lynch and, you know. Yeah. I mean, Josh Bruce kicks bags of 10 and then other weeks goes goalless, you know. But um, of yeah, the midfielders... pretty inconsistent. Yeah. Of the midfielders... Yeah. Um, um, this will probably sound controversial. I actually think Clayton Oliver is quite inconsistent. Um, yeah, his best to his worst is pretty wide. I think I think when you start going into the midfield, mm. you have to start not thinking of their their they're not particularly bad players, but their mm. their best to their worst is such a wide gap. Like mm. I think be, just because Clayton's best is the best in the competition, right? Yeah, like the week he kicked thirty seven and three. Yeah, um, he was the best player in the competition. There's a lot of talk about Stringer this week about his 29 and four, and everybody saying, "Oh, it's the best game anyone's played this season." I was like, "Did you, did you forget about what Oliver? <laughs> did you forget about yeah. what Oliver did?" 
Um, so I think that he's a bit of a he's a bit of cursed um, based on his uh, just sheer ability. Um, yeah, that's um, fair. It's an interesting yeah. list, definitely. It's an interesting seven. Um, there's some, you know, quality quality teams. Like I think, would you like if Charlie? Like, would you say if Charlie Dixon was a little bit more consistent, would they win more games? I still think the answer is no, and that goes the same for for Charlie Cameron. Like, I don't, I don't know, I don't know if they get any further in the season than a prelim prelim last year if they uh, a little bit, a little bit more consistent. For Port Adelaide, I, I would say it's about how they're losing games. Um, yeah, that's true. Uh, so I, I don't think he would make that much of a difference because in the games that they've lost, they're losing it out of centre. Like, they're not... Yeah, yeah, yeah. We spoke about... You spoke about that last time. Um, like, there are opportunities when maybe you you need an outlet kick and you kick it down the line and maybe he takes more contested marks, but I don't think he's rescuing them. Um, last mm. year for Charlie, when he was a bit in and out of form last year, um, I do think there were some games in which if he played better and kicked straighter, importantly for Brisbane, that was such a massive issue yeah. for them last year. Could have won them two games. But yeah, um, I, I think it's being a bit harsh in general. Like just um, the stringer debate is very complicated. There were some people saying that like, oh, like you can't expect him to play that well every week. And I was like, well, yeah, but you can expect him to play like that more often. Like, there was a great stat on Footy Classified. I recommend people checking it out. Um, that was the number of games he's polled coaches' votes in um, every year. And he averages um, polling the coaches' votes once every five games, which just, that's not enough. Like, for somebody... It's not worth the 750-800 that people were touting after last week. That that needs to be more. Um, so, yeah, for him, that needs to be more. Um but I think he's a good player, and if he keeps playing like that, um, you know, more often, it doesn't need to become every five, like it doesn't need to be every week. But if it becomes every second week, then suddenly that's all Australian season, and he's worth that money, worth more than that money. Yeah, yeah, and uh, you know, he was one of those players in that batch. You know, Tom McDonald, him, and Bruce, who all self-admitted to being unfit. And mm. spent the um, preseason, the shortened preseason, mind you, getting their body right, and you can again see those results. I think this is the we've spoken about all three of them this year in that way, um, and he's just another one to add to add to that list of uh, players who have admitted um, in uh, and done some, you know, self uh, motivating mm. and. The results have uh, shown itself. Now, the question will be, can he uh, keep going like this um, for the rest of the year and potentially knock a, a Sydney or a West Coast out of finals? He'll be worth all the money you spend on him. Absolutely. All right, we're going to move on to our next segment now, which is, Tom, um, I don't know if the, the audience knows, but I actually managed to go undercover this week at the Collingwood Football Club and I recorded some audio of a tour being run through the Collingwood Football Club of all their potential coaching candidates. So we've got some audio for you. We'll, we'll play it now. This should be good. Ladies and gentlemen, I welcome you potential coaches to the Holden Centre for this tour of the Collingwood Football Club. But there uh, aren't any women here. Yes, sorry. We don't value women enough to give them votes on our board, let alone a coaching position. Um, is everyone here? Adam, 
use is it wise Jesus? Are you are you Kanye? It's Uze. I did not know that. Now is everyone else here? Um, Sam, Alistair, Ross, Scott one, Scott two, Harves. Harves, what are you doing here? But I I am qualified. You know you're not in consideration. Go back to babysitting the team. Now, let's start with the gym. Uh, Don't worry, Ross. You don't need to spend any time here. Does uh, Scott Pendlebury ever visit? No, I don't know if you've heard, but Pendles has a basketball background. He doesn't even train. See, there's a boxing ring over there. If we have a quick look, we might be able to see who's fighting. Oh, it's uh, Mark Quarter and Jeff Brown. Uh, They must be deciding to settle things the old-fashioned way for Collingwood. That means fighting until none of us have any teeth left. Uh, Brad, Chris, we would let you go a few rounds, but Clarko's hidden all the helmets, unfortunately. Moving on now, here's our medical center. You can see Jeremy Howe inside. He actually lives there now. Uh, do they have any uh, needles? God, Sam, why do you have such an obsession with needles? Moving along, this is the press room. We call it the Eddie McGuire Apology Media Center. A lot of great people have come through here. Eddie, of course, Heath Shaw, Jaden Stevenson. Eddie again. Ah, memories. Alistair, you'll probably need to become familiar with this place. But I didn't do anything. It was the umpire's fault. Uh, Can somebody let the media know that Alistair will be apologising again? Um, Let's move on and meet the players. Hey guys, my name's Mason. I'm the human version of a baby giraffe. Go away, Mason. You're not even going to be on the list next year. All right, everyone, try not to trip over the steel side bottom's unconscious body. Uh, Jordan, you're not allowed to touch Darcy unless he says so. I know he looks like a girl, but that doesn't make it okay. Actually, maybe we'll just wrap it up here. Uh, please take your complimentary gift bags when you leave. They contain a racist comment, a coupon for a leadership spill, and a drink to make sure you arrive home drunk. We wouldn't want you to be driving sober. Thank you for visiting the Collingwood Football Club. Have a nice day. Wow, Alex, what a absolute bombshell recording there. Incredible, incredible journalism, if I do say so myself. Yeah, I think I think this will change the landscape for what people are expecting for the climate position. Clearly, um, we know the, co- the coaches that are in contention and the ones that aren't, Robert Harvey. <laughs> yeah, that's what we take out of this this recordings. Robert Harvey, not not considered. <laughs> not, not a consideration. And that <laughs> nobody actually knows how to say Adam Uze's name. Um, <laughs> love it, love it. Love it. All right, we're going to get into our second battle round. Ding, ding, ding. All right, I'm going to kick us off, Tom, with one of my favorite parts of the season. We've just finished the bye round, so that means it's time for the run home. Oh, yeah, my favorite time of year. Are you excited? All right, so we'll go through the six teams. This is the run home for the um, the eight. That's what I'm looking at right now. We might have a later date. You or I will do a run home for the top four and how, that, how those places will play out. But this is for who's going to qualify for finals. So first up in sixth place, we've got Sydney. They're currently 8-5, 32 points, percentage of 108. Their fixtures include um, Port Adelaide, West Coast, the Western Bulldogs, but we'll go through the main ones, which are West Coast, GWS, Fremantle, and Essendon. So of the six teams I've gotten here, Sydney are playing four of the five others. So the key talking point for Sydney out of this, their fate is in their own hands. They play well, they beat those teams, exactly. they'll make finals. They play yeah, badly, 
lose against those teams, they won't be playing finals. Yeah, win and make finals. They're not relying on anyone else. Um, for so. me, I've given them uh, a few wins here and there, a few obvious ones. Games against North Melbourne, Gold Coast and the Saints to finish should help them get a couple. And then probably ruling them out against the Dogs uh, for me and probably don't like their chances against Port Adelaide and maybe West Coast as well. Uh, to play it safe for them, I've given them expected results of five and four from their last four games. That'll put them at 13 on nine with 52 points. We'll come back to where that places them in the end. But 52 points seems like the benchmark for them. Right, next up, West Coast. So West Coast are also currently eight and five on 32 points with a very ever so slightly low percentage of just under 108%. Um, they yep. play the Western Bulldogs and Brisbane as the two hardest teams in their fixture. Um, their key fixtures, though, the teams out of this six, they're playing against Sydney, of course, and then they have another derby against Fremantle. To be honest, it's a pretty easy That's run home. Easy for, run. It's a pretty easy run home for Fremantle. Uh, uh, Fremantle for West Coast. They do have to play Melbourne as well. I didn't miss that. Uh, but they've got home games okay. against St Kilda and North Melbourne. They have to travel um, to play Adelaide and Collingwood, but you would consider them favourites in all four of those games. All they need to do really is get a couple wins out of the games against the Western Bulldogs, Sydney, Melbourne, Fremantle and Brisbane. Probably only two. Are there games in, against top four opponents at Optus? So that game against Melbourne is at Optus? So two of their three games against the top four, the game against the Bulldogs this weekend and then Melbourne later in the season will be at Optus. Then they travel to Brisbane. Travel to Brisbane to play Brisbane. Um, so really all they need to do is probably only take two wins of those last four games and, and keep, a, keep a clean record against the teams below them. Um, but two wins out of those other five games against the top eight sides, that'll take them to six and three from their last uh, nine games, 14 yeah. and eight for the season, 56 points. That'd comfortably see them home, you would think. Yeah. All right, next up is Richmond. I'm going to try and keep moving faster because um, this is so long. All right, Richmond currently 7-6, and six, 28 points, percentage of 105. Um, they've got a couple difficult games. They play Brisbane and Geelong. Um, those are the hardest teams in the top four. But apart from that, it's going to be a bit of a coast for Richmond home. Very easy. Um, <laughs> Sounds familiar. The only two games they're playing against the other sides in this um, middle six bracket are GWS and Fremantle. Both of them... Uh, are two sides that are below them on the ladder and you expect them to enter in favourites, even though they are travelling, expected to travel for both games. Um, to be honest, with easy games against the Saints, Gold Coast, Collingwood, North Melbourne and Hawthorne, um, I would be stunned if they didn't end at least 6-3. and three. They would have to really collapse. More likely, it'll probably be 7-2, and two, which would take them to 14-8, and eight, 56 points, and again, should comfortably see them through. It'll probably be a toss-up between West Coast and Richmond to see who finishes higher based on percentage. So clean wins with good percentage on their way home could get them there. Yeah. All right. The first of the sides currently outside the top eight, the Giants, who are currently 6-6-1, six, six, 26 points, percentage of 97. They have a very interesting run home, a couple of very difficult games, travelling to, uh, to play Melbourne in two weeks' time, travelling to play Geelong, um, as well as games against Port Adelaide as well. But their key fixtures, <laughs> key fixtures, they're another one with their fate in their own hands. They'll play Sydney, Essendon and Richmond in three of their games for the Giants. Oh. Again, you win all three of those games, you'll play finals. You lose all three of those games, you won't. 
Um, for me, the reality is that they're going to be somewhere in between. Uh, they've got games against Hawthorne this week, which will be in Melbourne, Gold Coast and Carlton, which should give them a few easy wins that they have to. But unfortunately, with the games against um, the Geelong and Melbourne, I just can't see them really winning those. And they, they're going to have to win all of Sydney, Essendon and Richmond to get there, which I don't think they will. Yeah. The, likely, the likelihood for me is that they go 5-4, and four, which would put them at 11, 10 and 1 on 46 points. So a solid two games outside of Sydney. Solid two games, six points, yeah. I think that's the likelihood. Um, Essendon wow. and Fremantle. Let's start with Essendon. So Essendon currently six and seven, 24 points with a percentage of 103. Um, they've got a couple of nightmare games, in particular their next two, which will dictate their season. Um, Melbourne and Geelong um, in the next two weeks. If they can steal a win from one of those, their season will be alive, but they need one. It does get yeah. considerably easier after that. Uh, Adelaide, North Melbourne, Gold Coast and Collingwood will be part of their run home. Um, they will have a game against the Western Bulldogs, which will be another challenge, but it'll probably be at Etihad, so it shouldn't be very difficult. Um, they've got two deciding games, the Giants and Sydney. Again, must wins for them if they're going to find something, as well as the fact they probably need at least one upset against those top three sides. Otherwise, they're not going to get there. Um, for me, I'm banking on probably five and four to get them home. Uh, maybe one win from the Giants or Sydney, but not more than that. Five and four for me is the likelihood. That puts them at 12 and 11, 48 points with a decent percentage as well. Fremantle finally to finish six and seven, same as Essendon, 24 points, but with a percentage of 91, considerably worse. And that will be a factor coming in later. Um, they have a not too difficult of a run home, Fremantle. Um, in particular, the next three weeks, Collingwood, Carlton and Hawthorne should see them stack up some points. And then a game against St Kilda to finish. It's the middle patch in between that. Some difficult games against Geelong and Brisbane. Um, but both of those are at home, which would give them an opportunity in those fixtures to potentially upset and get some points. Of course, the big challenge for them is going to be the three sides that they play against in the middle of this um, lock in the middle six. They'll be against Sydney, Richmond and West Coast. The games against Richmond and West Coast will be in Perth, although that'll suit West Coast well, you think. Uh, they will have to travel to play Sydney, though. To be honest, Fremantle, if their percentage was the same as Essendon's, I'd give them a real shout to make it. They're probably only a win off Sydney. I reckon they will probably go 5-4 and four to finish and get to 12-11, and 11, 48 points. Probably a game off. So on my predictions... It's going to be Richmond and West Coast vying it out for 6th and 7th. If we go with current percentage, it would put West Coast in 6th, um, Richmond in 7th, and then Sydney in 8th because of their difficulty in their run home. Yeah. Um, then likely Essendon in ninth, just outside the 8th, probably a win behind. Fremantle also win behind, but probably percentage as well. And then the Giants, yeah. another two points further behind that. Um what it means, basically, is that the Sydney-Essendon game will be, I would think, just about for a final spot. Um, it'll be earlier in the season, like we won't be actually at that point yet. It should still, still only be around 19, I think, or something, um, or even 18. Um, so there'll still be a lot of games to go, but often it's the end of the season. We look back at individual fixtures and say they're the ones that decided it. And I think that the um, Sydney-Essendon game is one to look out for because that'll probably decide the finals race. 
Wow, who would have thought? You Essendon ninth at the start of the year. That is a uh, oh well Sydney for that matter too. So that that's a kind of very very interesting run home. Um, I'm surprised that the that the others there's even a possibility that based off the draw that you said that Sydney could lose to GWS but still make finals, um, which I find interesting. I've given them a bit of leeway, Sydney. So, as we were saying before, they've got their easy games against St Kilda, North, Gold Coast. Um, uh, that should give them some wins there. But they've then got their difficult games against Port Adelaide um, and the Western Bulldogs. I've kind of assumed that they lose those, which they might very well win. In particular, they'll give themselves a fair shout against Port Adelaide this weekend. Um, and then from there, their last three games, I've assumed that they go two and one against West Coast, GWS and Fremantle. So that gives them a game in hand in which they would... Um, Can lose. Two and two from West Coast, GWS, Fremantle and Essendon. So that gives them a lot of leeway and they would still make it. it it'll be more in particular that they can afford to lose that uh, West Coast one and that Fremantle one, because it seems less likely that, or that GWS one, because those teams will be in consideration. But if they lose that Essendon one, it'll have an eight-point swing as opposed to the other yeah, ones. Yeah, it'll yeah. probably only be four-point swings. Yeah. Wow. Excellent, excellent analysis. Um, oh, I actually uh, can't wait for that Sydney GWS game and the GWS uh, Essendon you know, triangle yeah. in that middle part of that that last third of that season. Mm. Um, uh, I think that will really shape up to be, you know, as they say in the media, festival of football and uh, <laughs> a mini a mini final series, not too dissimilar to the play in tournament at the NBA, which I think will be very very fun. All right, Tom, all you, what do you got? So. Um, we spoke about it a little bit about it to a little earlier today, but uh, particularly rare that the package delivered this week, Alex. Um, twenty-seven touches and four goal, uh, three goals and a no, four goals and a dusty-like performance. Um, so I've come up with a list of things that not Jake Stringer himself, but the AFL could deliver to all clubs. <laughs> now we're currently playing Aladdin rules. So no wishing for more draft picks or salary cap space. All right. I like, so we'll I like just... the phrasing. That's that should stick. <laughs> so uh, we'll start with the Adelaide Football Club, and we'll just go all the way down. Um, Adelaide probably wants the AFL to give them a footy factory down south, but it's just Andrew McLeod, Aaron Phillips, and Mark Rusciuto forced to spawn as many <laughs> father, mother, daughter, son combinations as possible. Yeah, yeah. I um, think if we look at some of the talents come out with Jack Lukosius and everything, if they could get them back, they'd be pretty racked. Yeah, that's that's true too. Um, for Brisbane, um, something to prolong the life of Chris Fagan as he's getting to the age where a grown man can attempt to jump over him and all <laughs> he can do is fall over. I'm a bit scared he might not last the season. <laughs> um I don't know if you saw this lately, but yeah, Mitch Robinson celebrated in training, tried to jump over a grown man, and the grown man fell. And the the headline of the piece was, 
Mitch Robinson almost kills Chris Bacon, <laughs> and I <laughs> laughed at that. Because <laughs> I think everyone would have fallen over if Mitch yeah. Robinson tried to do that to you. I mean, um, Carlton. In fairness, though, Chris Fagan is is basically a walking heart attack, isn't he? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, Carlton, a pill that unlocks the part of your brain um, that players are using when an opposition player is kicking inside fifty. Um, like go full Lucy. Yeah, I think I could turn that into a you know limited series, limitless, <laughs> something like that. Um, yeah. Very, very, very. Uh, Useful for Carlton. Um, AFL could deliver to Collingwood. Um, Clarko's secret guitar TikTok. Um, I think once we find, once they find that, uh, he'll they'll either use it to get him um, through blackmail, or you know they'll reach out for influencers to you know pump it up and make it go viral, which I think is really what Clarko wants. Um, Essendon um, AOD nine six zero four but like undetectable. <laughs> um, uh, Freo, the heaven and angel um, of Kronk from Emperor's New Groove, but only for Nat Fife when he's lining up for a set shot. That's the only <laughs> time we want it. To be um, honest, like whilst Nat Fife has been the worst of that team, none of the rest of them are any good. No, no, no. The entire, the entire club is uh, inaccurate, but... It's particularly funny to watch a Drew Bowman medalist not kick it from 35 out directly yeah. in front. Um, Geelong, bingo night at down at the Cattery because <laughs> the oldies love it. Savage, I love that. Um, the Gold Coast Suns, flights to Tassie. Of course. Um, now stay with me with GWS. But imagine we hire Johnny Lawrence, we get a bunch of karate geese, and we remake Cobra Kai, but all the students are just Toby Green. <laughs> I feel uh, like that would be really, really good for them in more ways than one. Whilst I always love making fun of Toby Green and his ridiculous antics, give him credit. Did you see that barrel? Oh my, yeah, absolutely on. ridiculous. He knew exactly what he was doing. I love it. S- 70... 74 is my prediction. I haven't seen the, the meter yet to tell me how far it's gone, but 74 is my prediction. It went yeah, miles. Huge. Um, Hawthorne, um, a handy methadone clinic near Waverley Park to cover Sam Mitchell's dirty little secret <laughs> that he was coaching Essendon, the coaching the Essendon players, not mocking them oh, yeah, um, in yeah. that game. It's just instructions. Mel- That's all it was. Yeah, instructions, instructions. The, for Melbourne... The AFL better deliver the dummy's guide to living up to expectations. <laughs> um, um, Have we published Mel- that yet? Yeah, yeah, we could publish that, I guess. It's under our jurisdiction. Yeah, um, dummy's guide, yeah. <laughs> North Melbourne misheard the rules um, and they just want draft picks. <laughs> Um, they were. They, they have actually been all right the last like month and a half. I think they've they've actually yeah yeah they've become a, become a team side. in the last yeah last couple of weeks. Um, Port. I think if we gave Port, if Gill sat down, if Gill sat down with Scomo for coffee and argued for labor laws to be a little bit less regulated, they could get a Chinese sweatshop inside. Uh, the Amy Park uh, Adelaide Oval, and um, 
get the prison bars jumpers mass produced, but it won't be under Eddie's nose. <laughs> um, so they won't be able to see it. Um, for Richmond Football Club, uh, we asked them what the AFL could deliver, and their response was, nothing from you peasants. It's our league now. Um, and St Kilda, um, they want the AFL to give them a new rule next year that retroactively puts extra time into the grand final and then make everybody from, like, 2010 at their current age play that extra five minutes because I think they'll still think they've got them. Time travel. Yeah. Um, and for Sydney, they, theirs is pretty simple. They just want the ball delivered to Buddy inside 50. That's all they wanted. It was pretty easy. It doesn't even need to be um, inside 50. It's just delivered to Buddy <laughs> inside on, 60, on the 50. Inside 60. On the 50 yeah, yeah. will be fine. <laughs> uh, and last but not least, uh, oh, got two more. Uh, West Coast Eagles. Now, if they can deliver us an Indo-French cookbook, three vials of COVID, a basket of oranges, a political assassin, and some seashells, I think they'll be managed to do the rest. Hashtag grand final WA 2021. <laughs> um, and last but not least, uh, Western Bulldogs. Well, it's hard because while the Aladdin rules dictate no draft picks, mm. does Jamara and Chris Grant's kid count as a draft pick because they got one from the academy mm. and one from father-son. So I think all they want is just to deliver more and more loopholes into the national draft. The, the Bulldogs have managed to go full Sydney and finish top four, <laughs> top eight in back-to-back seasons and still end up with the number one pick. <laughs> Incredible, incredible. I think we the rivalry between GWS and Western Bulldogs is a real was a real rivalry, but it's just because I think the Bulldogs are now becoming the Ferrari that GWS was. Yeah. Yeah. Um, great so there you go. Us. That's every team's uh, Aladdin wish that um AFL's gonna deliver them. I am hopefully they're more consistent than Jake Stringer, let's be honest. <laughs> very solid from you the only one i would have uh, written in myself is that I- i'm sure that there's always that person that asks for more wishes and i reckon of those teams it would have been north melbourne because they know that they can't fix their club with just one wish <laughs> no carlton would have carlton would have blown the first wish on like you know extra pens or something no, 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 you know no, that no, no. Oh, come on come on which player would it be which player? who's flashy but not particularly good <laughs> Carton, Carton would have Carton would have traded away their first wish for Jordan Degali and then asked him to play yeah. on the halfback flank. Like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. All right, there we go. Battle rounds done. Very um, look, very solid from you this week, Tom. On any other week, you'd have gotten points. Yeah, but Bo Burnham, Bo too Burnham. good, too strong, too good. You get the point. I think, I think what, is, what does I that make us? I think I'm half a point. Am I half a point in front of you now? I think you are half a point ahead. Yeah. Um, you are, however, not winning our next round, which is our tips. Um, you did get one on me, though, this week. I did. I did close the gap. I think, did I get four or five this week? We only had one point of difference, the Geelong Bulldogs game. You tipped the Geelong. I tipped the Bulldogs, which came yeah. down to the final siren. Gary Rowan being his heroic self. Um. 
Yeah, you got five, I got four. So yeah. that puts you back to minus three, I think. Yes, three behind, three behind. Let's go. But we've got four full games this week. I said four. We've got full games this week, all nine of them, which I'm very excited about, including some blockbusters. Although there have been some changes in the fixture, so we'll have to navigate our way through that. But let's start out with Thursday night. I'm so excited for this game. One of the best things about the rolling fixture is that we've able to have these top of the table audits every week, as they uh, as they like to call them in the footy media. We had Melbourne, the Bulldogs, Melbourne and Brisbane, Geelong and uh, the Bulldogs last week, and this week it's Geelong and Brisbane. So excited for this game, Tom. Um, up at the Gabba, Brisbane are hosting. Who do you think will win this one? Oh, I actually think the Cats will do it. And uh, I'm not sure who is the favourite. I assume Brisbane because it's at home. Um, but I might be a bit closer because Geelong are rolling at the moment. But I'm picking Geelong this week. Uh, yeah, I know I know it came down down to the wire last week, but they look very strong. And even the loss of Mitch Duncan, I think every week Danger will get, you know, 5%, 10% better. Um, and that, I think, eventually will make up the difference. Yeah, this is actually a massive game for Brisbane. Um, I, I'm going to tip them because I'm not sure... Um, I'm undecided, and and when I'm undecided, my rule is tip the opposite of whatever you've tipped. Um, But this is a massive game for Brisbane. This is my justification. Um, Because if they lose this game, they'll probably drop out of the top four with Port Adelaide playing Sydney this week. And if they get a win in that game, um, it would send Port Adelaide above Brisbane. And if Sydney were to win, well, um, they're probably not going to catch Brisbane on percentage, but they'd only be percentage clear of Sydney. Um, So... They need to win this game to keep themselves in it. It would also push them back into third above Geelong. So massive game for them. They need this to keep in touch of those top two spots in a home qualifying final and potentially a home prelim, which would be massive for them, not having to travel to Melbourne to face Melbourne or the Western Bulldogs on their turf. Um, so I'm going to tip Brisbane for me, but to be honest, it could go either way. A game that I think is highly unlikely to go either way, Friday night, Richmond and St Kilda. The last time these two teams played, the March we were was there. 89 points. 86 we points, nearly. Oh. Good effort. Um, 86 points. You were right about Brisbane being the favourites in the last one, but Richmond are the heavy favourites in this one. Do the Saints have a chance, Tom? No. You backed them in last time and you were wrong. <laughs> nah, never again. Richmond in a absolute demolishing. Last time we, again, I, was, I never want to leave a football game early. Never. And I wanted to leave that game early. That's how bad it got. Um, and I don't even go for either of those teams. Um, yeah, Richmond by a lot. It, it was like watching somebody punch an unconscious person in the nose over and over yeah, again. Yeah. Um, the only upside for the Saints is they get Rowan Marshall back, who's massive for them, as well as Tim Member and Sebros. That should help provide a little bit more experience. But somebody the- tell Caro. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think it'll be enough to beat Richmond. Richmond for me as well. Um, in our re-scheduling, uh, it's Collingwood and Fremantle that'll play first on Saturday afternoon. They now have the 145 slot. Um, hosting Collingwood hosting Fremantle at the MCG. Oh, no, I was put that wrong. Collingwood hosting Fremantle at Marvel Stadium, though it'll be with the roof open and 25% crowds here in Melbourne this week. Um, sorry, 25,000 max crowds. 
at the at Melbourne this week. So um, 25 at the MCG and 25 at Marvel, which is 50% attendance. Though I can't imagine they'll get that many Fremantle fans there for that one. Uh, Collingwood, Tom, or Fremantle away from home? We know you have your rule that Fremantle can't win away from home. So will it be Collingwood? Yeah, I think it will be. Um, yeah, well, the question will be whether the shine from the whether last week was, you know, do it for bucks and the week before was actually a good game um, or whether they've actually learned how to play attacking football and will be a lot more consistent this week. Big in Brody Grundy is set to play. So Sean Darcy might not be able to get um, that, uh, that in great of an impact on the ground, but they are very different style of Ruckman. So I assume they will both be able to excel um, pretty exclusively throughout the game, but I actually think that Collingwood's Collingwood's going to be more way more consistent for the back half of the year, and I think Frio will remain a team that can't win away from home. Yeah, this is do or die for Fremantle from their perspective. They're getting back Nat Fife, which will be a massive inclusion. Um, Matt Tabiner will get some more legs back in him. Hopefully, he can start to have an impact. This is it. Um, do or die. You know, if they don't win this, they can effectively rule out their season. I'm tipping Fremantle. I still rate them. I had them in the eight at the start of the season. I don't think they will get to there, but I do think they're better than Collingwood at Marvel. Um, it's a pretty low bar, though. Um, our next game, <laughs> Gold Coast are travelling down to a potential future destination in Tasmania at Bell Reef, where they'll uh, play North Melbourne. North Melbourne are an elite side in Tasmania, Tom. One win, one draw, and I think two losses. It's not a bad record. Um, Gold Coast, I'm not sure I've even uh, ever won in Tasmania. <laughs> I can't. I'm sure they probably have, but I couldn't tell you for certain. I mean, this is a this. I'm worried about two games this weekend: North Melbourne, Gold Coast, and Carlton Adelaide, because we went for Gold Coast this week, and if Gold Coast lose and Carlton win then we've missed our opportunity. But I'm hoping, and I'll give you my tip now, I'm hoping the Gold Coast win and Carlton lose so we can humiliate Carlton more next week. And we've nailed the right time to do our Gold Coast indictment. So I'm tipping Gold Coast. All right, I'll tip North just to go against you for something. I need that point of difference to catch up. Um, so, yeah, I think I think North are a little bit better than earlier in the year. Um and I think hopefully Gold Coast come with that lack of effort so I can uh, catch up to you. Our next game is Port Adelaide and Sydney now in a twilight spot. This is going to be an absolute ripper. I can't wait for this. This will be battle for that middle spots in the eight. Um, do or die for both of these teams. They need wins. Um, Port Adelaide or Sydney, Tom? Now, the question is, based off the Hawthorne game, there's no way we beat them on the inside. But... We're not a bad clearance team overall this season. So do I consider, do I think that we'll match them on the inside? Because I, I just can't see it at the moment. So I think I'm going to tip Port um, because that's how they currently play. So if they win on the inside, they win the game. Yeah, so I think Port for me. But... As if we do match them, I'll be very, very happy, irrespective of the result. Yeah, Port for me as well. I think Sydney will have very much benefited from the buy and should come back a better, fresher side. But 
Um, Port have been grilled a bit in the last month or so about uh, their lack of firing a shot against the better teams in the competition. This is their opportunity to beat up on a side that's just a little off the money. You know, they're not playing one of the big four. So um, they can beat up on the Swans. Just remind us that they are still an elite side. So Port for me. Um, Essendon is hosting Melbourne at the MCG on Saturday night. Melbourne looking for a return to form after their loss to Collingwood on the Queen's birthday. Essendon, a much improved side over the last two months. I think they've got something like a 4-2 and two record in their last six weeks. And hunting for that spot in the eight that we said, they need an upset in the next few weeks. Could this be one of them, Tom? Nah, I don't think so. I think this is one of those fallacy games where it's like, oh, Melbourne last, you know, last time they played and Essendon won last time they played. Is it going to be that even? And I think, uh, you know, if we like examine Essendon's win, you know, it was against, you know, a Hawthorne team nobody rates. And the only reason they did win was because Jake Stringer played, you know, a Jake Stringer game. Um, so I think Melbourne comfortably for me. Yeah, four of their last five from Essendon and only two of their last four from Melbourne. So Melbourne's the, uh, Essendon's the hot side here. It'll be interesting. Um, I'm going Melbourne as well, but part of me really wants to see Melbourne lose because like we've this whole season, we've kind of talked about, uh, are Melbourne going to collapse mentally? You know, we know they're good enough as a team, but do they have the mental stamina to get through this season? And we just started when they were, what was it, eight and zip or something, nine and zip to think, yeah. they've got it. Now, this is it. This team is the real deal. If they lose this, they'd be three, uh, they'd have lost three of their last five. And you'd have real question marks, <laughs> wouldn't you? You would have real you question would, marks. You would, the doubt would start craving in. It would be very interesting. I will still be tipping Melbourne, though, because I think they are good enough this year. Um, our first game of Sunday afternoon will be the. Giants-Hawthorne game, though that will now be at the MCG, but it will still be a Giants home game, interestingly, with these fixtures. The fixture continues to become compromised, but we make do with what we've got with COVID as it is. Giants and Swans have both flown out of Sydney today, not looking to return back till at least late next week, maybe for that Sydney West Coast game, but that could be in Melbourne, so that'll be interesting. Um, This game is in Melbourne. The Giants, well... They need to win this, that simple. Hawthorne have been a bit better lately. Uh, they offered a good fight against Essendon. And at home, they'll feel more confident than they would have been travelling to Sydney. Giants for you, Tom? Yeah, definitely. This is a, one of those games that's like you can't drop this if you even remotely think about finals. Um, so, yeah, Giants comfortably, even though it's uh, at the G. Yeah, they've got a few traumatic memories from the G in the last few years, the Giants. <laughs> but I still think that they'll get the win in this one. I'm with you. Uh, the Giants to me. The, I think this is probably the most interesting game of the round. The, Ge- Geelong yes, Brisbane will be the best yeah. game of the, the round and it's the two best teams. But the last time these two teams played, West Coast hosting the Western Bulldogs, it was at Eddie Had, and it was an absolute marvel of a game. See what I did there, Tom? That was very clever. I'm so funny. Um <laughs> It was an absolute stunner. It was great to watch. And both of these teams played exceptionally well. Uh, The Eagles would have beaten just about anyone else on that day. But they unfortunately ran into uh, Marcus Montepelli-led Bulldogs who stormed home to get them the win. 
I really like the chances in this one, Tom, but I'm still not sure whether or not I'm going to tip them. What do you think? I mean, I'm, I'll gladly tip West Coast if you tip Bulldogs. Um, but oh, that midfield, um, as I said in that point of observation at the start, um, oh, they, it looks really promising, even without Dunkley and Trellers. Um yeah, I'm gonna tip West. I'm gonna tip West Coast because you can't really tip against them in Perth. But I wouldn't be surprised if an upset is brewing. Yeah, I'm really torn on this one. Um, I'm gonna go the Dogs just because I love a good point of difference. Um, the, the Eagles do have probably the best set, um, likely to have the best set of inclusions um, that we've seen this season. That uh, they ha- they'll likely have Kelly. Shuey, McGovern, and Shepard all back in this week with... Wow. I think all of them have been at least All-Australians, um, if not, if not, you know, All-Australian squad members and potentially better. Um, so they're really going to be back and they're really going to be firing, but I, I really like the Bulldogs and I want to believe that they are good enough this season. They've been down the very interesting numbers put forward um, by David King about their lack of contested ball over the last few weeks and how that's been decreasing since they lost Dunkley and decreasing even more since they lost Trelaw. But I still think they're good enough. I want to believe that they're good enough, so I'm going to tip them. Our final game of the round, Tom, this is a absolute masterpiece <laughs> in the making. I'm just hoping, hoping with all my heart that Carl lose this game because they will get eviscerated, and I do not use that word lightly, by the media next week. If Carlton lose this game, I wouldn't be surprised if David Teague loses his job just because there will be so much pressure on the football club. Not just like, if they're really competitive, it's a good game and they lose by four points, maybe he'll be fine. But if they play like they have in every single loss this season, when not one of them have they fought out a good match, I think he's in a lot of trouble, David Teague. And I'm, I'm understanding of why. Um, do who do you think is going to win this game? Will he buy himself a, a bit more time with a win over the Crows? Yeah, for some reason, the I'm tipping Carlton. Um, I never liked the doing it. I've never liked doing it in like twenty twenty two years of life. Never liked tipping Carlton. Ah, uh, but surely not. <laughs> surely not. They have a pretty good record against teams that are around them or below, below them. them, right? Um, well, here's the thing. Adelaide isn't actually below them. So oh that, that kind of fallacy goes out the window. Um, but against the teams that are around them or below them, you know, if we go back and have a look at some of the games, um, they beat Hawthorne, who are currently below them. They yeah, beat Essendon, who are yeah, that was a far shootout, above though. them. Uh, they beat Gold Coast, who are below them. They beat Fremantle, who are currently above them. And they lost to Collingwood, who's below them. So they have a pretty good record against these teams. But I wanted so badly that I'm going to tip for it to happen. Adelaide for wow. me, Tom. It's probably a waste of a tip, that one. But when you've got a few in the bank, you've got to bank on hope. And I, yeah, I've yeah. never hoped for anything more in my life, I think. All right. That's a few differences. I think that's four differences. It might have yeah, been four more than that. So. I think we had five in the end. Yeah, no, Carlton, Bulldogs. 
Uh, the Suns and the Collingwood Cats. Collingwood Fremantle as well. Nice oh yeah, five. and Collingwood Fremantle. Wow, five differences. Five. This oh, is a this this is a massive this is week. It. This, for is for this, this is, is for the lead. This is for the lead. All right. Wow, it's huge. Make sure you all tune in next week to see what happens with our tips. Well, to be honest, you'll know about it before our podcast does, uh, based on what happens this weekend. But, well, wait to hear our reactions next week about the tipping and what's going to happen next. Thank you very much for joining me, as always, Tom. Uh, you can find us in all of our normal places, Facebook, Instagram, Apple Podcasts, Spotify Podcasts, all of the podcasts, Tom. Yeah, uh, Parker Cast as well, everything, Anchor. It's all there. Thank you very much for joining us. Uh, I hope that you come back next week. I hope you enjoyed the show this week. My name's Alexander. I'm Tom Kreiser. We'll see you next week.